Welcome to the show. You're listening to the Hope Radio Podcast. Real stories, real people, real hope. My name is Sean Davis. I happen to be your humble host. And joining me as always, my co-host in life, my partner, my beautiful wife, my companion, my best friend. Her name is... Just Jen. Wow. <laughs> that was, that was, I like how you rose and then you just laid it out. Jen. I like that. Yeah. How you doing today? Um, I'm great every day. You know what? You are. I You're choose a that. You are a glass half full kind of gal. Always. Do you like being called a gal? No. What should I call you? Girl. <laughs> you are a glass half full kind of girl, I'm Jennifer. A girl. I like that. Yeah. You have a positive attitude. You get, you wake up, you're bright eyed and bushy tailed, as my dad would say. And at seven o'clock, I'm donezo. What are they talking about when they're talking? They're talking about a squirrel. What's bushy tailed? A squirrel. That would be a squirrel, right? Yeah. Bright eyed and bushy tailed? Yes. A rabbit. Do rabbits have bushy tails? They have little, little puppy tails. Certainly not a pig. They have curly tails. Yeah. Maybe a fox. Yeah. Maybe a fox. Maybe that's where that what phrase came from. What did the fox say? I don't know. What did he say? Me, 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 <laughs> me, uh, That was my joke for the day. You, you I'm make, done. I'll you, see you tomorrow. You make me laugh. You make me laugh, Jen. <laughs> that's why I love you. I do make you laugh. I make everyone laugh. You know what? You're like Colby that way. I know. Colby makes everybody laugh. And Colby and I together, are we just laugh the whole time. You two are hilarious. And other people call us annoying. That's okay. Who calls you annoying? A lot of people because they can't take it. I mean, we're just, we're like on it. Listen, I'm telling you right now, I may be a hope dealer, but yeah. somebody better not be calling you annoying because I'm going to have some words to say. Do you not think these feisty spice could jump in there and take care of Listen, it. Listen, I know you and your Popeye arms can handle some business. I'm not but allowed to show my guns anymore, Braden told me. Why would Braden, Braden's our third oldest son, why would Braden say you can't show your guns? Why can't you show your muscles? I know your strong mom stopped showing me your guns. Why would, does, is he saying that because he's intimidated by your guns? Oh, he better be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Mama, Mama's going to knock you out. Mama's going to knock you out. <laughs> Daddy's going to... Knock Watch you out. Get knocked out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You ready to tell some funnies? I'm ready. All right. So you're going to go first or? Um, yeah, I'll go first. All right. Okay. Are you ready? I think so. What did the pig say at the beach on a hot day? What did the pig say at a beach? Why would a pig be at a beach? Why not? What did the pig say? Porky, Porky the pig, hot day. I don't know. Pigs in a blanket? I'm bacon. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a good one. That was a cute one. You're so cute. I love bacon. You what? Have you ever had chocolate covered bacon? I have. Yeah, so I good. think that's a marriage made in heaven. Yeah, bacon. You, you know what you just reminded me of? What? <gasps> bacon with- jerky. Remember we had bacon jerky one time. Jennifer. Have you ever had dog treats that were bacon? No. They are real bacon. You can eat dog Why treats. Why would I eat a dog treat? Weren't you ever dared to eat dog food? No. Oh my gosh. Now I'm... I love food. I'll eat dog I'm, food. I gotta be honest. I'm looking at you differently right now. <laughs> it's okay. You've Every, eaten dog everyone food? Everyone does. Yes. No. You were never, as a kid, dared to eat dog food. No. How would you, as peer pressure 
not avoiding Jen. I, you can't I was make hungry. me do. You can't make me do anything I don't want to do. So you must have wanted to do it. It was bacon dog food. So and it smelled like bacon. So of course you're gonna want to taste it to see if it tastes like bacon. And it does. They have bacon treats. Okay. All I gotta bacon, say is bacon. when we go home, <gasps> I I need That's you to br- the commercial. Bacon, <sighs> bacon. You need to brush your teeth when we go home. I brush before my I kiss teeth you. Six I'm times just gonna I'm just gonna tell you. You just you know. It's okay. All right. Bacon's you ready? good. <laughs> you ready for my joke? I have bacon dental floss. Jennifer, stop. You can have bacon toothpaste. Do you know, you know what, you keep talking about bacon, but it reminds me, remember driving around in the car and we'd be like in some city or whatever and I'd just get in this mood yeah. and there'd be people on the on the sidewalk or whatever. I'd roll down the window. You had all the boys in the car and I would just yell as loud as I could <laughs> randomly. I'd just say, bacon! Yes, yes. You know what? You had bacon this weekend. So? I know. Bacon's great. Jennifer, okay. enough with the food. It's time for my joke. Are you, you can, ready? You can, you know, bacon, like <sighs> like baking cake. Bacon. Are you, you're on a roll. Are you going to stop anytime soon yes. or should we just keep on going? Yes. I just had a protein bar. <laughs> Give me some energy. I had chocolate on it with bacon. All right. Here's my joke. You ready? Mm-hmm. I've been really depressed lately. A friend told me I should go to the petting zoo perhaps to cheer up. Okay. I went today, but not one person would stroke me. No petting. Why? What? Why, did, why you're at a petting zoo and nobody wants to pet you? Yeah. That's sad. Yeah. They said it would help my depression. It was supposed to be funny. <laughs> you know, you're going to the petting zoo and not one person would pet you. You know, like not. Oh. Man, I just fail at these jokes because you just, they just drop and they well, fall flat. I, if you're at a petting zoo, you're supposed to be petted. I know. Well, you're in theory supposed to be petting the animals. The joke is supposed to be the humans aren't supposed to be the villains petted. Oh, I didn't even. I Jennifer, didn't catch that. oh my gosh, I that makes it even that. more funny now. I was thinking that you were a pig and nobody was petting you. Now you're back to bacon again. <laughs> Can we get off the subject of bacon? I swear. Have you ever had a maple maple bacon? I've cupcake? not had a maple bacon. Maple bacon, maple bacon cupcake. Stop. It has like maple frosting with bacon. We got to do a show. We got to stop doing this. Okay. You got to be quiet about the bacon. No more bacon. You you are forbidden from saying bacon for the next five minutes. Bacon. Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> I can't control this girl for nothing. I will tell you that right now. That is my life. She, she keeps me on my toes and makes for adventurous times. Yes. Let me just say. Yes. That's apparently with bacon being the focus today. Bacon. Somehow, some way. You know what? I'm going to go get you some bacon after we're done. Okay. I won't eat it. <laughs> You make no sense. <laughs> Who are we right. talking to today? Uh, we've got an interview. We've got we've got an interview. This is the first time this has ever happened. We've got an interview with a mom and daughter. So we've got a mom and daughter coming on. Okay. And we're going to talk about the Seeds of Hope Foundation. Oh. We're going to talk to Jacqueline and Gwendolyn about their life, specifically about Jacqueline's life mm-hmm. and how the origin of the Seeds of Hope Foundation uh, came to be. And then we'll talk about what they do. Oh, fun. So, total Seeds, hope story. Seeds of hope. That's fellow cool. hope dealers. Yeah. We're going to be talking to some fellow hope dealers. I'm excited. You ready? Yes. Let me call them up. I'll okay. get them on the line. All right. I've got Gwendolyn Young and Jacqueline Barnes on the line. Hey, you two. Welcome to Hope Radio Podcast. How are you doing today? We are blessed and highly favored. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, super excited to be here, Sean. 
I love that response. We are blessed mm-hmm. and highly favored. Yeah. I'm going to use that moving forward. I think that's the best response I've gotten to that question. <laughs> we are blessed and highly favored. I like the highly favored yeah. part, too. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Good. Yes. Absolutely. Now, you two, where do you call home? Where, where are we talking to you out of? Like, where do you live? So I'm in Lansing, Illinois. We're both in Illinois, but I'm in Lansing, which is a far south suburb of the Chicagoland area. And mom is in Westchester, which is in a western suburb of the Chicagoland area. So you guys, I mean, you guys see each other quite frequently. You're you're in the same proximity or vicinity to each other. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I don't get to see her as much as I used to because I moved like an hour away, mm-hmm. but I can get to her very easily. Well, that's good news. My mom, she lives a couple states away and she's in town visiting. Oh. She she we're in California, we're in Northern California and she either calls Utah or Wyoming depending on the season and the time of year home. And so oh uh she's this is the first time she's been able to come out and visit us in almost a year. So oh she was God. eager She was eager to come and uh spend some time with uh myself. I'm an only child and so she wanted to see her her oh. son and her four grand boys. So Hey, Mom. Hey, Mom. <laughs> she's listening. She, she's smiling. She's waving hi at you. All right. So uh, I want to talk to you guys about the subject of hope because you guys are hope dealers just like we're hope dealers. Yet you get started the mm-hmm. Seeds of Hope Foundation, um, and, I, and I just love that name. I love that idea. So if you could, tell us where all of this began. How did, how did this mission to sow seeds of hope and to come alongside others and be a hope dealer, how did this start for you guys? I'm yeah, I'm going to let mom start that conversation off, and then I'll jump in. Okay, great. Well, Seed of Hope is it's born out of my passion to empower women to fulfill their God-given purpose and potential and to provide practical ways and support to do that. And I just truly believe that there is a seed of greatness in all of us, but that seed has to be nurtured. It has to be watered um, and, and, and bring it, that along. And so that came out of me coming out of uh, domestic abuse and violence, a marriage that I was in for seven years. And it took a belief and courage and somebody who gave me hope to, to know that I deserve better and that I did not have to settle for that. And that came through um, a pastor friend that I had um, when I found the courage to share my story, what was going on with me, and just simple words of her telling me that I didn't have to take that kind of broke what I call uh, like witchcraft off of my mind. It kind of woke me up that, okay, you know, I don't have to take this. I deserve better. And then just realizing that God is a father and my earthly father didn't want me treated like that. Why would I think that God wanted me to be treated that way? And so it took courage to take my life back. It was it was not pretty. It was very messy. I wouldn't encourage anybody else to do it the way that I did. It started, it came down to a knockdown, drag out uh, fight. Um, but I got my life back. And after that, just was determined that I am going to speak into the lives of women and let them know that they um, that they're okay. Never give up your voice, your power, your values, 
to anybody else but God because he has a purpose and a plan for your life. And in doing that, wanted to start speaking into the lives of women, but really couldn't get that part together. So my life had taken a trajectory from the pastoral ministry into corporate. And so started growing in leadership development and things like that and um, learning about purpose and potential. And then I heard about the seven mountains from Dr. Lance Walnut. Then my life started to make sense because now it's in corporate America. But once I shared with a friend of mine what I wanted to do as far as bringing women together, she says, well, why don't you? She said, have you ever considered girls? When you taught Sunday school, those girls loved you. So that was like an aha moment. And then I spoke to my cousin, told her what I wanted to do. And she was like, just start where you are in your basement and I'll bring you girls. And so Gwendolyn was my first stop um, in when I cast the vision to her and told her that I wanted her to take over this for me. Then she is really the catalyst of our success in, in Seed of Hope. So we are truly hope dealers. And Gwen has her own story, so I'm going to turn it over to her from there. Yeah, so, Shauna, I think it's important to know, too, like, I was not as excited about this idea <laughs> <laughs> when she initially brought it to me because I was thinking, a bunch of teenage girls with different attitudes and different issues. And like, I have one of those at home. Do I really <laughs> want to do this with an entire group of them? This is what's running through my mind, right? So I'm thinking, ha, huh, I think I will pass. But how many of us know that like telling your mother no really isn't really an option? <laughs> <laughs> with my mom in the room right now, you know, she, 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 she'll remind me of that. She, she's waving her hand. She sometimes wants to make sure that I remember that telling, telling her no is not an yeah. option. So, so mom knows, right. She knows exactly what I'm talking about. And so, but the more that I thought about it and the experiences that I had as a teenage girl, right. It was just like, you can't not do this. Like you have to, be, you know, an advocate for these girls. And so the more I thought about it, I was like, okay, Lord, you're absolutely right. Because I wish that there was a seed of hope or something around when I was going through that phase of my life. And so ultimately I said, yes. And I said, okay, now how do we do this? What are we going to do? And so, you know, my mom's cousin she got us our first group of girls. I'll never forget it. It was five girls. And we started teaching in the basement of my mom's home. And so my dad had a 70-inch screen TV. And I was like, oh, that's going to be my favorite. that's going to yeah. be my screen and my projector, right? <laughs> so, you know, he's thinking, what in the world is happening right now? <laughs> and so we took over the basement. We used that every Saturday morning at like 9 o'clock. We'd get these five girls like literally drudging in they are not excited either because they're like it's saturday it's too early in the morning for us to be talking about what like we just left school all week and so we initially started with teaching them entrepreneurship that's what we start with 
And so teaching them to think beyond like just a nine to five job, like what else is out there that you could do? But the more that we started to take them through that process, we realized there was a lot of social emotional things that they were dealing with just in their home and in their day-to-day lives. And so they couldn't even think beyond high school, right? They couldn't even think about setting goals because they were trying to figure out how do I just make it through this day? Yeah, more, more base, base level concerns, everyday life concerns. Yeah. I was going to ask you, so, so let me, let me uh, go back a step because I want to talk about what Jacqueline had, had shared. So Jacqueline, this is from what I understand, domestic violence awareness month. And so I think Mm -hmm. it's great that we're having this, this conversation. Um, and I guess my, my question was now, Gwendolyn, did you know what your mom was dealing with when she was in that abusive relationship? Did you have any idea what she was going through at the time? Oh my gosh. I, I did not know that it was continuing things. So, you know, to, to go back to that story, I'm going to take you guys back a little bit. I remember the very first incident. And this was just my first incident of becoming aware. I don't know if it was mom's actual first incident of when it happened. But I was about maybe 13 years old. And I saw my stepfather at the time kick my mom down a flight of stairs as she was holding my baby cousin. And I was just remember thinking, what in the world just happened? And out of instinct, seeing my mom in that situation, I actually kicked my stepfather down the stairs behind her. That's and right. That, that's you. Right. That, you are not going to mess with my mom. You are yeah, not going to do that. I'm going to. I'm going to give you a swift kick in the in the rear, and you're going to go down those same stairs. I'm so glad that you understand me because that was totally my thinking, and that was totally like I was a feisty little girl, right? Oh yeah. And I'm my mom's only baby, so it's like. What the heck is going on here? Like we're kicking people downstairs. Okay, let's do that. <laughs> well, so, see, I'm, I'm I'm married to Feisty Spice. I'll just tell you that right now. Like, I would have done the same. <laughs> my my wife, she she's Feisty Spice, man. She would she would come out swinging. I'll tell you that. You don't. Here's the, here's the secret. Don't ever try to scare her because you're likely to get a black eye. Like she starts punching yeah, and kicking right. right away. Oh, I think I have just found my new best friend. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but I remember so clearly he turned and he looked at me and the way that he looked at me was so frightening. And so I actually ran back into the house in my room and I locked the door and I actually climbed out of the window and ran down to my grandparents' house to get my grandparents. And so I remember us all coming back and you know, we went into the house and they're kind of talking things over. And then after they leave, we're like standing in the kitchen. And I remember saying to him, if I ever, if I ever see you hit my mom again, you're going to have a bigger issue because I will probably kill you myself. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I believe it. That's exactly what Jen would say, too. She, you, That was your first and only warning. I'll tell you that much right now. Yeah. Me kicking you down the stairs, first and only warning. Next time it's going to be. Yeah. Mm. It's not going to yeah. be pretty. <laughs> Absolutely. And so from that day on, I never saw him abuse her again. But it was still going on. But I never saw it. And so I remember, I remember the day that my mom is talking about when the fight happened. I was actually gone for the weekend staying at my dad's house and I came home 
the house was super dark and I was just kind of going through the motions, went into my room, dropped my bags or went into the kitchen. How old were um, you at this time? I was 17. Okay. And I went into the front room and flipped on the light and like all the pillows and everything was everywhere. But I didn't think anything about it because he had a younger daughter as well. So I just was like, oh, maybe she was here and they just didn't get a chance to clean up and all of this good stuff. And then I went into the bathroom and I flipped on the light in the bathroom and there was this bucket of blood sitting in the bathtub. Mm. And I like my heart just dropped because now I'm thinking... Is my mom alive? Is she dead? Where is she? Why isn't she here? Nobody's here. So I'm having all of these thoughts. And I'm literally like going into a panic mode. And so I go into the living room. Um, no, into the dining room. And I flip on the light. And there's a note on the table. And the note just says, I'm at grandma's. Come to grandma's when you get this. And so I'm still like super hysterical. So I call my husband at the time. Um, he was my boyfriend at the time. And I'm like, you got to take me to my grandma's house. Like I need to get to my grandma's house right now. And so I get to my grandma's house, but they don't let me see her. So I have to go to sleep, not having seen her, not knowing what kind of condition she's in. And I'm just like crying myself to sleep. And so I wake up the next morning, I'm ready for school. And before I get ready to leave for school, she steps into the light and her face is just completely black and blue and purple and her lips is busted. Her eye is black and the tears just start falling down my face. And I'm just thinking, Oh my God. Oh my God. And Jacqueline, Jacqueline, what was just for a moment, Jacqueline, what, what was going through your mind at that time? I mean, here you are, you just went through a, 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 an immensely traumatic experience and here your 17 year old daughter is seeing you for the first time. Like, what was that like for you? The only thing I can remember, son, is I was just glad to have my life back. And, And that's what happened. Um, that day, um, we were in a small bathroom, and I was no longer afraid. And so this was the first time that I had ever stood up to him. And that's what started the fight that sent him into the rage because I wasn't cowering down or backing down anymore. And I said to myself, you know what? He may kill me today, but today he's going to know he's been in a fight. And so that was the first time that I fought back. So... I was just glad to have my life back. And do you know when I went to the hospital um, and made the police report, you know what the policeman said to me? You must have been a bad girl. Are you kidding me? That's what they said to you? I you not. And I just like, hmm. I should have, you know, made a report. But again, I was just glad to have my life back. And so... Gwen will tell you her part. I had to stop her from trying to get someone to murder him because I'm like, it's not worth it. Gwen Gwen is just like Jen. (laughs) (laughs) We are total BFFs. We are total BFFs. We are. Jen Jen would be like, who's buying the hogs? Because you can't, you can't, you can't have a body. You know, who's buying the hogs? (laughs) Don't tell my secrets. I know. (laughs) Yeah, I I was just glad to have my life back. 
I can I can only imagine I mean, to yeah. to not only go through the trauma of of the physicality of it, but then to be in in a situation. And I imagine that's very empowering. Like if that's the first time that you stood up, you know, like I I just cannot. I, I get hung, I hung on every word you said. Yeah. I may die today, but mm-hmm. he's going to know he was in a fight. Yeah. He's going to know yeah. I'm not going to put yeah. up with it any right. longer. Right. And right. Um, I just, you know, I, I, I just imagine with our own kids, you know, like you, you go through a really emotional time and you see a family member and you just get flooded mm-hmm. with emotion. You just get overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. It's like the only thing that matters mm-hmm. is that bond and that and that relationship and I imagine Jacqueline for you it was it was also tough because you know we never want our kids to go through the significant adversities that we've gone through we want to try to protect them and 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 prevent them from going through that and I and I do think that there is you know a cycle of abuse there's a chain that happens with Mm -hmm. with physical abuse and it's likely that that children can fall into the same types of relationships because they've seen it modeled you know through mom and dad or whatever Absolutely. Yeah, and and Sean, to your point too, because I, I want to stay right there for a second. You know, it's not even just the physical abuse, right? It's also the mental and the emotional, emotional abuse. Emotional. That yeah. yeah, that hurts more. Yeah, yeah, because there there was such a tension in our house, right? Because of that, and and here's here's the thing that was so ironic: we were two women living in the same house being abused by the same man and neither one of us knew it because we were not connecting and talking to each other the way that we should have been. And this is why we tell mothers all the time, when you're in an abusive situation, your kids are in that situation. with you. Like they're being affected by that too, because he was saying and doing things to me that my mother didn't know about that were inappropriate. And so he he was having kind of the best of both worlds, and we were both silently suffering. I do think that's because nobody, of why do you think that is? Is it was it shame? Was it fear? Was it you know what what prevented you from talking to each other about what you both were experiencing at his hand? I think for me, I think again we got a teenage girl, and I think for me, I call myself protect. Gwen Mm -hmm. in my Mm -hmm. ignorance, right? Thinking that I was protecting her, not knowing that he was trying to bring the division between Mm -hmm. the both of us so that we were not um, communicating. Yeah. So I think that had a lot to do with it. Yeah. And for me, it was a mix of fear and that nobody would believe me anyway, because he was very strategic. This is the thing we have to remember that with abusers sometimes they're very strategic in what they're doing and so he started very early on kind of isolating and breaking down that relationship between my mom and I and so he was sort of kind of pitting us against each other from the very beginning and so by the time he got to the place of the abuse I was already in the mindset of well you know what I can't really talk to her about her husband because she's not going to believe me He's going to say something different. And so I just took it as, okay, well, you know what? I'll just deal with it. And I did try to say things to like my best friend's mom at the church and people that I knew. And I specifically remember her saying to me, I don't believe you. She specifically said to me, I don't believe you. He's a great guy. 
He's so friendly. He's so this. Yep. He's so that. He's a minister. Yeah. Uh, he was a minister yeah, in the oh, church. Yeah. <laughs> Literally would, would beat my mom on a Sunday morning and go sit on the very front row of church right after. Smiling and laughing and hugging on people. And here I am, this kid saying to people, like, do you not see this? Like, like nobody is happy all the freaking time. Like, nobody is smiling like this all the time. Nobody loves everybody but Jesus, and he is not here. He is gone, ascended into heaven. Like, why doesn't anybody see this? God, that's, but that's again, just, I'm just a kid. Yeah, I mean, on so many levels, that's just so unfortunate because I sit here and think about, you know, like not only are you being abused, but then then it affects your potential spirituality and how you view God. Like yeah. how 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 can yeah. I stay in this relationship? How can I be in this situation? And I mean, this guy's a pastor. He's a minister. He's actually teaching people about mm-hmm. God. Yet look at what he's doing behind the scenes. Right. You know, and yeah. then and then I was going to key in on the other thing. I, I you know, Jacqueline, you said this, and I think that this is is so true both my mom and I experienced this firsthand when I was I was a kid I was never physically abused by this man but I had a stepfather that was very verbally abusive he said things that he shouldn't say told me I'd never be successful told me I'd never amount to anything told me I wasn't worth anything you know Mm -hmm. and and those wounds I I agree with you those wounds are far more caustic far more damaging you know it's like like in the back of my mind I go man the power of words words can be so much more devastating than anything that's physical you know anything that's physical is temporary Feel your it's like you feel your heart being torn. Mm. You can actually feel the physical pain of words and yeah. people don't understand that. You really can't. No, they can't. And so you you break free and, and you get out of this relationship. And now how did you, Jacqueline, recover from this? I mean, did you did you go through any counseling yourself to try to no. get yourself right? And, and, and you know, because I imagine there's PTSD, there's post-traumatic stress that comes from a situation like that. Um, so this is a precious story. My precious friend, who was one of the pastors, um, who I had actually told what was happening and she took me into her home, Sean, for over seven days and just let me hide from the world. Put me in their home, gave me a room, had the bathroom and everything. If I wanted to come out for dinner or breakfast or whatever, I could. If not, I didn't have to. She sheltered me until I was ready to face the world. Again, I will never forget it. It was so precious. And then just through prayer um, and, and, and seeking God, that is really how I got my healing. And I knew I was healed. This was uh, years later. I had I changed jobs, which God is just so good. That's part of my trajectory into management and corporate was because he was still harassing me, um, calling me at the job that I was. I took another position at another location and that started my trajectory into leadership and management. But um, I didn't even realize that I was still afraid of him until, and this is years later, my, my husband now, we were out, we were at a blockbuster, remember when they were out and we were standing at the counter and he walked in the store and I jumped behind my husband. And that's when I realized, okay, that there was still a rip there. 
And so I just began to, because I had forgiven him because I know about bitterness and all of that. So I had released that. And I knew when I was healed, God was just really dealing with, dealing with me on that. And then one Sunday at the church that we attend, uh, when I told, I had told God, we had had a conversation and he, and I said, okay, I'm ready. Not soon after that, I ran smack dab face to face with him in church. Mm-hmm. I was able to greet him in love, say hello, ask about his family. But then he followed me out the church and asked me, could we be friends? And I told him we would never be friends. But I didn't have the hurt, the pain, the fear, or anything. I was able to love you in Christ, love you at a distance, but we will never be friends. That's that's really powerful. I I I don't blame you. I you know it's 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 uncharacteristic for an abuser to change his stripes, you know, unless they go through an immense amount of work themselves, unless they're doing an immense amount of counseling themselves, you know, doing that hard Never work. Never said he was sorry. Never wow. apologized. Never apologized. Wow. Yeah. And so through this experience, you know, so tell me, connect the dots for me as to how this experience with the abuser really led to seeds of hope because you, you know, are you trying to empower younger females to recognize their voice? Certainly to not get in a situation like you were in to recognize maybe those signs, but it sounds like it's more than just trying to educate girls on, you know, what could be an abusive relationship. It's more about empowering them to recognize their own voice their own unique gifting and, you know, being able to utilize that to propel them forward. Is that, is that That, a fair? You you hit it on the head. That that is it. Do not give your voice or your value or your power over to anybody else because I gave him too much power over my life that he did not deserve. And so never give that away. God, only to God, he has a purpose and a plan for your life. And that, that is our goal is to empower these young girls and women, because we find we, we do women too. And we find that it's that same broken little girl in a woman that you never get those issues addressed. Yeah, I think it's I think when you're in your in your formative years, I think between five and ten, there's so much uh, that you form an opinion about yourself and so much what you believe about yourself. And so if somebody's always speaking into the negative, the defeat, the the put down, the drag you down, etc., it makes it so you know, somebody then has very low self esteem and so it, it usually allows them to to glom onto the first guy that comes along, you know, like the first relationship that they can find. One one question that I had kicking around that may have, some others may ask too is were there when you were dating this man, were there warning signs? I mean, as you reflected yes, back absolutely. over your relationship, like absolutely. what were the warning signs? Because we would like to make sure that somebody, you know, listening that, that, that they heed those, that they recognize because they could be on a path that's similar to what your path was. Yeah. That number one is that anger being getting mad really easily and then not even really knowing what the anger is about. I think that was that was a really big thing, and um, controlling, 
when you're trying to isolate, you don't like you don't like your family. First of all, you're happy to meet the family and everybody to, you know, get their buy in and then once you're in a relationship, <clears throat> don't like the family, you know, trying to isolate you, trying to control you where you go and what you say. All of those signs are there. But us, you know, being spiritual and um, for me, being saved at an early age and was very, you know, promiscuous, looking for love in all the, the wrong places. When you find, so I joined church, you get saved and you find somebody who loves the word. They love God, you know, but those little signs are there. They're always there and, and you just can't ignore them. But we try to, we think we can change them or we can pray it away. It, it's not going to happen. So, yeah, signs are definitely always there. So, Gwendolyn, you know, when it comes to the Seeds of Hope Foundation, you know, so you guys started with with five young women and, you know, we're meeting on Saturdays and you were just basically you had a a bigger goal in mind for what you're going to do with them. But you realized in the process of meeting with them and talking with them, some of these girls couldn't even focus on the future because their present was so overwhelming or so there's so much lack in the present that they didn't feel like they had the permission to dream or think about the future. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And so what we decided to do was just take a step back. And I said, you know, we have to find a way to reach them where they are and connect with them on kind of that social emotional level and give them some real life coping strategies that they can take back into their everyday lives and use. And so we took a step back and then created this eight-week curriculum around just kind of being okay with who you are. So let's first identify who are you. If I stripped you away, one of the questions I always say to them in the first session is, if I stripped away all your titles, who would you be? If I took away you being a daughter, a student, an athlete, um, an aunt, a sister, who would you be at your core? Who would you be? And how did you come up with that definition? Is this because somebody else defined you this way? Like, we really have to dig into who you are because I need you to be comfortable with that person. I need you to love that person first because nothing else that you do is going to matter if we don't get that right. And so that's kind of where we start with them. And then I say, tell me about your journey. Tell me about your vision. What is it that you want for your life? And we take them through all of the areas. Tell me about, you know, spiritually, what is it that you want? Tell me about financially, what is it what you want? Career, family, all of these things. Now we can talk about some of the other decisions that are going to affect your life, right? Because you're going to make them from a value-based perspective. So we go through managing conflict the importance of relationships and how to manage those because that's what they were having trouble with. I can't talk to my mom. You know, some of them were being abused even before they would go to school. So we talked about bullying, but we talked about it in a way that was very real and very relevant to them. And one of the things that we taught all of the girls coming through our program is that we don't expect for you to get along with every girl that comes across their path, right? That's unrealistic. However, you also don't have to do something that damages her in the process if you don't like her. You don't have to say something bad about her. You don't have to start a rumor. You don't have to have an opinion. You can just let her be okay to be who she is, and then you can be okay to be who you are, and we're not adding to each other's pain. 
Because what you don't want to do is be the reason that somebody goes home at the end of the day and then they decide this is it because of what you said or what you did. Because we don't know the battle that they had to do just to get there. Some of these kids are coming through violent-laden neighborhoods. Some of them are being abused before they wake up. Some of them are taking care of their siblings before they even make it to school. We're talking about 7th and 8th graders who have to give their siblings baths and fix dinner and help with homework. All of these things before they even get to school in the morning. So let's not add to that. Let's not be people who add to that. Yeah, that's in, that's and, incredible to think about. I mean, just just and I think that's really powerful to educate them on on that. I mean, that it's you touched on something. We actually interviewed somebody yesterday whose uh, son committed suicide, jumped off a bridge because mm. of abuse, vi- verbal abuse. Basically, he yeah. he he just could not seem to fit in in any social um, settings. He had trouble with friends. All he wanted desperately yeah. was to have a best friend. Yet he was. You know, they, they believe he was high on the spectrum of, of uh, they don't really call it autism anymore, but like he was a high functioning spectrum young man. Yeah. And so socially and in, in, in certain situations, he just he just struggled. And it finally got to a point where w- with abuse and name calling and all that other stuff, he couldn't take it any longer. So kind of going back to what I said originally, words have power, words matter, kindness yeah. matters, be a, yeah. be a kind yeah. human. You know, you have no idea what somebody has on their plate, you know, before they even arrive at school at 8 a.m., you don't know what the last 12 hours of their life has has looked like. And so, like, give them the benefit of the doubt. And uh, what I love about your story in terms of of Jacqueline, your specific story, so you're in this situation where you felt to be a victim, found your voice, fought back, got out of that situation, and here's here's the monumental hope piece, then took that experience and used it to come alongside others, used it to come alongside your, your, your young women to try to make sure that you make a difference and that they understand what's appropriate and not appropriate and how to find their voice, how to, how to rise, how to, how to find their, their, their power center, how to find their faith and their, and their, their own skill sets, their own gifting, their talents that they were born with. I love that. I love everything about that. So tell us a little bit. So the the foundation has been along, uh, been around how long now? Eleven. Oh my gosh, eleven, eleven years now, right? Eleven. Wow. Yeah. And then how many how many young women have you had come through the foundation? We've touched the lives of over twelve hundred girls um, so far, and we've done that through after school programs, um, partnering with the schools. We've done it at high schools. We've done it at group homes, which was freaking amazing. And um, we do an annual conference for girls every year in the Chicagoland area. And that has started to attract groups coming in from out of town as well. And so we take a Saturday in July of the year and dedicate it to just the development of the girls. And we have Community leaders come in and speak to them. Mom and I will share our story with them. And then we have activities that are designed around just building their leadership and their coping skills and just, you know, expanding their ideas and their mind around what's possible for them and making sure they understand 
that your current situation does not dictate your destiny or your outcome. Like you get to choose. You have a choice in the matter. You can choose to remain a victim of your circumstance, or you can decide if that is not what's going to be for you and do something different because that's what both mom and I had to do. And we know that it's possible and we just stay an advocate for them and stay connected with them through the process. And I tell them all the time, like I should have been a statistic, right? I was born to a single mother, uh, a single mother who was in a domestically abused environment. I did not grow up with my father in the home. I was a teen mother at the age of 19. Everything in my life says I should have failed. But God, right? Yes. Amen to that. I decided I was not going to be a statistic. Like none of those things could stop me from getting to a place that I deem was successful for me. Not only not a statistic, but, but, but coming alongside others. I mean, this is, this is hope feeling for Jen, because I think early on in the podcast, I had to almost drag her by her hair to get her into the office here. Like she was a bit reluctant, (laughs) kind of like, kind of like Gwendolyn went like you were when Jacqueline. Yes. Yes. You know, but I'm giving her hope now that, you know, like, cause look at you now, 11 years later, 1200 young women. Like this is awesome. It's very impressive. Jen, there's hope. There's hope for you. Oh, there is hope. Yay. Amen to that. (laughs) Guys, and I just want to say, and that is the whole idea of showing yeah. them that there is so much more. Mm-hmm. And and to me, when you see that light of understanding or yeah. hope that comes in a little girl's oh, eyes yeah. or her face, yeah. oh my God, <laughs> you can't put a price on that. It is just so amazing. So well, God... I was just going to say, God is good. Like the way that he takes something that was a disadvantage. I, I tell people all the time that what, what I love about what he's able to do is that he, he doesn't ask for any of this. He didn't ask for you to be in an abused relationship. He certainly didn't right. want that mm-hmm. to happen. But, you know, we have free choice and free will. That, that, that That's that's mm-hmm. what we have. And so but yeah. what he will do often, if you pay attention, if you do the work, is take, and take a, a, a problem situation and extract the maximum possible good. Yeah. He did not Work want it all together, right? Yes, yeah. he did not, yeah. Jacqueline. He did. Yes, he did not want you to go through what you went through. <laughs> but Amen. because you went through it, but he'll use it. Yep, he's going <laughs> right. to use it, and he's going to squeeze, yeah. and there's going to be so much goodness yeah. that comes out of that. And yeah. you're coming alongside yeah. other young ladies to to make sure that they don't. Yeah fall into that same yeah. type of situation. I yeah. love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. I'm telling you, it's, it's amazing. We have the young women who reach out to us now like, hey, I, I started my business and, you know, you guys were such an instrumental part of that. Or, you know what, I, I got accepted into college and yeah. here's what I'm going to be studying. Like, they're studying psychology now and coming yeah. back and getting jobs as therapists to help other girls. It's just, like, so freaking amazing. And it's like, <laughs> ah, 
we the, sow the seed for that, right? Yes. We sow the seed for that. The ripple effect of hope. When you give somebody hope, yeah. you know, like my definition yeah. of hope is that yeah. that a moment in time, when you think about the future, when you think about five minutes from now, 50 minutes from now, five years from now, that your idea is that tomorrow, the future can be better than today. That's, yeah. that's the idea yeah. of hope. And you're giving these yeah. girls tools and equipping them to to not only uh have hope but to to dream and i was going to ask you you know what have you have you had girls come back and what are some of the success stories of it because you know that's 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 when you feel like every effort every late night every stress every burden Mm -hmm. every everything that you carried to try to get this off the ground and the curriculum and the and the studying and the feedback back and forth and all that Mm -hmm. stuff all the time spent that's when you know ooh, that was worth it Mm-hmm. It was so worth it. Yeah. It was so worth it. We actually, I think it wasn't it just last week. That's my it. Yeah, yeah. We got a Facebook message, and it was we were just like so well, giddy. First girls, yeah, yeah. In the very first group. Oh my gosh, she was of in the, the five first that you started with. Yeah, yes. She's in the very first group, and she sent mom and I a Facebook message, and she's like. I want to personally invite you to attend my launch for an exclusive women's group that I'm launching. And I was like, what? (laughs) Oh my gosh. And she's going to be doing vision boarding with them and talking about all these amazing things. And I was like, what? What? I'm so going to be there. Like, what is this happening? Where is this happening? That that is awesome. So amazing. Like they're turning into amazing women. Tell them Becky's story right quick. Oh, yes. Okay. So this is Becky. She was one of the very first ones in the first group of five. And so initially when we were going through, okay, what is it that you want to do with your life? You know, what is your purpose here? And she was like, oh, I'm going to be a cook. Now, mom and I both know that that was the furthest thing from what her purpose was, right? (laughs) 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 But we're going to play along with this because she is an anointed dancer. She is a praise dancer and worshiper. And when I tell you that when this girl dances, you are certainly going to the throne. Like she is going to take you all the way in. That's how powerful it is when she dances. But she said she was going to be a cook. And so we're going to play along yeah. and we're like, ah, okay, you're going to be a chef. Well, let's test this theory, shall we? <laughs> so we're like, okay, your assignment is going to go help your mom with a big meal. And so we pulled her mom into the process and we're like, okay, she's saying she's going to be a chef. So here's what we need you to do is to like have this big meal and have her in the kitchen preparing everything for you. And so she comes back the next week and she's like, I am not a chef. Kicking is not what I want to do. Like, I don't want to touch another chicken. I don't want to do it. And we're just like cracking up laughing because we know this, right? And so we're just working with her throughout the whole process. And so fast forward a few years later, when she's out of high school and she actually partners with somebody to start a dance school. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. Isn't that amazing? That's a great story. Yeah. yeah, and she's also leading, um, her mom passed away a few years ago, and her mom worked in a high school, and she's also now part of a praise dance team inside of the high school. Oh, high school. oh praise dance team in a high yeah. school school? That's awesome. That's yeah. incredible. Wow. Yeah. 
Isn't that amazing? That is it is. And now she's leading vision boarding sessions. Yeah. I love the vision boarding, you know, because I just connected with that. I, I just recently had a show and, and the whole show we, we were talking with a coach and she was talking about how her, she'd done this vision board and then most everything that she'd had on the vision board from, from like 10 years ago, she'd accomplished. And, and it just got me thinking about, you have to have hope to do a vision board. Yeah. You know, yes, in other do. words, you, yeah, you do. And, and, if, and if maybe your hope is small, doing a vision board can increase your hope because what you're doing is you're dreaming. You can, you're, you're thinking yeah. about your future in a positive light. You're putting yeah. things that you yeah. want to attract or do on a vision yeah. board. And so yeah. I had never connected how significant a vision board can be toward yeah. fostering hope or developing yeah. it further for those reasons. Yeah. Like you have to have yeah. hope yeah. to do a vision board. We did it with See the Hope. See the Hope is a manifestation of my vision board. I literally was like, See the Hope is going to be a pillar in the community. See the Hope is going to have programs in the school. And my mom thought I was crazy because I would be like, oh, I'm going to go to the group home and share with them about our program and we're going to talk we're going to do this program and she's like what and so here you go it's like and then the lady's like oh we have four different canvases do you want to do all of them and i'm like sure we can do it and i'm like oh well why shouldn't we do it for the schools let's do it and it goes up on the board and literally everything on that board has manifested with the exception oh. of my size 10 waistline. I'm still working on that. Part. I'm still working. That. Still, still working. Still hey. working on that one. There's, there's, there's hope and you're still working on it. I'm still working on that one. Oh, I love that. Well, as, uh, as one of the great things uh, before, um, let me say this. When we tell our story, when Gwen tells her part, the girls are always side eyeing me. <laughs> like, and we have to say it's okay, you know. Oh, yeah, I love I'm that. I say, stop looking at my mama like that. We're, we're in a good place now. That's, good. that's awesome. Oh my God. Well, as our, uh, as our time comes to a close, I mean, it's just been an absolute pleasure to talk with you two. I just want you to tell us all, how, how would we support what you got going on? I mean, if there's somebody listening that wanted to uh, help your cause, how would, how would they do so? Oh, absolutely. So we're definitely all over um, social media mm -hmm. at Cedar Hope Foundation. And then you can also visit us on um, the web at soacedahope.org. So you can reach us that way. Um, and there's opportunities where you can volunteer. You can sow a seed if you'd like into one of these girls. You can also connect um, with me via email at gyoung at mysoh.org because um, I pretty much will leave the charge and then just kind of tell mom, hey, this is what we're doing now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You've taken it and run with it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just got to say thank you. Thank you to you two. You two are awesome hope dealers. I love what you're doing. I love you coming alongside young ladies. I love your mission and what you're, what you're striving to make sure they remember, understand, internalize, and believe about themselves. So kudos to you two for what you're doing. You're, you're awesome hope dealers. 
Well, thank you so much. And thank you for this opportunity. This was so amazing. And you introduced me to my new BFF. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Well, thank you. It's been, it's been a great time and, and uh, love your message and you guys keep, keep on trucking, keep on doing what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. you. All right, Jennifer, what'd you think? Hold on. I don't know what to think. You don't know what to think? No. Are you still thinking about bacon? <laughs> yes. You got to get bacon out of your head. Was, Why did you write bacon on your notepad? I mean, mid-interview, we're having a great conversation, and you're doodling bacon. Because I'm go- I'm trying to find a YouTube video about bacon. Let's stop on the bacon. Okay. Let's talk about Gwendolyn and Jacqueline. What do you think about I the Seeds of Hope? I want you to know that I have found another BFF. You have? Yeah. You know, it's all the ladies. They just they just sense your essence. And they go, I'm you a know girl's what? girl. You like, are. Girls love me. I love girls. Like, and you, I'm a girl's girl. Younger girls love you. Oh, my like, goodness gracious. Like, younger girls yes. look up to you. They idolize you. It's Actually, just your essence. When they when she was talking about, you know, doing the, the, the Seeds of Hope for the girls. Yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, like girls are so drawn to me. Like that would be so my gig right there. I so. was thinking the same yeah. thing. It's crazy, right? Like young teenage mm-hmm. girls, 12, 13, 14, 15 year old girls, mm-hmm. they just like, they just can't get enough of you. I oh, think it's I your know. it's your essence, your spirit, your strength. It's because I'm cool and I have bacon in my purse. Jennifer, again <laughs> with the bacon, I cannot. There's, uh, we will never have an episode where the word bacon has been uttered more times than I know, today. I know. For those that are listening, if you want to check out the Seeds of Hope Foundation, their web address is soaseedofhope.org. Yes. You know, so check them out there, and uh, they've got all their contact information if you'd like to support, donate. I think what they're doing is great. I mean, just look what Jacqueline went through. Mm-hmm. She overcame you know, a really abusive relationship. And then God has allowed them to to take that experience and then turn it into something positive and then multiply it amongst 1,200 young girls. Yeah. How awesome is that? Yeah. I, I, I think that's incredible. Like, I'm so proud of them for doing this, you know, taking, taking something that's so traumatic and turning it into something so beautiful. Yeah, I agree. And then to hear the stories of now the girls coming back around yes. and saying, you did this or thank for that. Or, yeah. You know, that's when you feel like you're doing good works. Yeah, that's like rewarding. I love that feeling. You know, I love that feeling too. Yeah. That's why somebody should, you know, they should inbox us. They should send us a direct message mm-hmm. and say, you know what, you guys, you guys are doing a good job. Yeah. Because I like that too. You're doing a great job, Sean. Well, you can't say it now because I asked for it. I know, but it's I say be, I say it I I say it all the time. I compliment you all the time, saying you're just such a a gifted host because you know how to ask the right questions and you're like a counselor behind the mic. It's great. Wow. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. That you're was welcome. a little that was a little bone of encouragement there. That was a little uplifting. That was mm-hmm. a little spirit spiraling up. Yeah. Moment. Thank yeah. you for that. High five. High five. And on that line, if somebody wants to connect with us directly on social media, they can do so at Hope Radio Podcast on both Instagram and Facebook. Yes. And uh, here's the good, good, great, great news. What? We're going to do this again. Oh, I can't We're going to do another Hope Show, Jen. Let's do it. Let's do it tomorrow. Okay. Here we go.